Hey everyone, my name is Ricardo Avila. Let me ask you something. Does your heart race when you hear great music? I thought so. Does your heart ache when you hear a compelling story? I know it does. I also know your heart is going to love listening to the PC Music Diary. Your favorite popping collars hosts, maybe a surprise guest star or two, reveal the songs that have had the biggest impact on their lives through heartwarming, heartbreaking, and heartfelt stories. So listen to your heart and check out the PC Music Diary on the Popping Collars feed, wherever you get your podcasts. Pop, pop goes the heartbreak. I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where we put on our flannel and jeans. Our they got holes flannel. in them. Holes in them, though. Holes <laughs> in them. No. That's right. Strategically placed holes in our jeans. We put and on your our grandpa, best Your grandpa has. Did they come that way? <laughs> uh, we put on our best flannel to talk about movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for best picture 30 years ago this month. We're looking at Cameron Crowe's singles. Love is a game. You distinguish yourself by not calling her. Four days, he needs to call me. Easy to start. That's a very nice hat you're wearing, and I don't mean that in any Haskell kind of way. Hard to finish. Linda. Bye, Steve. I left my blue t-shirt at If you can't find love, you settle for sex. I'm on the bed right now. Wearing something really outrageous. I think you got the wrong number, lady, but I'll be right over. In the absence of sex, you go for companionship. Uh, you want to get some dinner? Or busy. Uh, how about some lunch? Have a lunch. Coffee? Water? How about some water? Soon you're just happy to have a friend. You know, in a parallel universe, we're probably a scorching couple. But in this one, neighbors. Of course, you can't sleep with friends. Singles. You know I see other people still. You don't fool me. Bridget Fonda. We made the connection, and when you make the connection, it's like chemistry takes care of itself. I mean, it makes its own decisions, you know? Campbell Scott. I was just uh, nowhere near your neighborhood. Kira Sedgwick. Did I overreact? <laughs> Do you know who this is? Sheila Kelly. Could you seat me next to a single guy? I've got a special feeling about you. Jim True. And Matt Dillon. Janet, you rock my world. Singles. If I make this basket, that's fate telling me to call him. Wait, did no basket need call him or don't call him? Never mind. Directed by Cameron Crowe. Uh, Betsy, I have a brief description about this movie. Would you like to hear it? Yes. It's actually not brief. It's kind of long. Oh. Okay. Hmm. Let's see how this goes. Okay. Romantic comedy about six of Seattle's young people, most of whom live in the same apartment building, and whose lives revolve around the city's ever-expanding music scene. 
the interrelated stories about each character's progress through the singles scene are intriguing and often very funny. And the soundtrack is a grunge fanatic's dream with the likes of Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, and Mud Honey. Intriguing and often very funny. That is a really not great. This is like book report. This is like an eighth grade book report. They leaned on the word scene too. Ever expanding music scene through the singles scene. They need a thesaurus for this. Listen, so. IMDb's is short and better and <laughs> short and sweet. A group of 20 something friends search for love and success in grungier Seattle. Hey. And that's and scene. Very good. Very good. Well, they yeah. missed out. They missed out they on didn't... intriguing and very funny. That's Let's see. Good. What is your history with singles? Feel like I want to say I saw it in the theater. But I also might want to say I rented it. Yeah. But it was like I saw my future. This oh, wow. was what uh-huh. I imagined adulthood was going to be for me. A bunch of garage door openers and well, maybe, but like urban, urban living, (laughs) like urban living, living in apartments, like that was what I imagined I wanted Mm -hmm. going out and seeing bands and live music and urban living. Mm -hmm. And probably a few months after this, I'm not going to say those movies set the trajectory for my life, Mm -hmm. but. I discerned that I was going to go to school in Chicago and I was going to go to journalism school and I wanted to change the world. So there's a little bit of, you know, Linda in there. There's a little bit of Steve in the super train, you know, there's, there's that sort of thing. You know, and I lived in apartment buildings in Evanston that felt like this a little bit with knowing your neighbors and your back stoop and you're having parties and you know there's this there's that element of this that feels like that that feels really familiar but this was what I wanted adulthood to be like you wanted it to be Campbell Scott and Bridget Fonda and Matt Dillon and you hanging out mm-hmm. 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 oh oh when I got to college and there were coffee shops Greg oh <laughs> My God, because I don't know, listeners, whether you know, there was a time when there was not Starbucks everywhere. Was Paul Giamatti making out? And wasn't it Paul Giamatti? It was Paul Giamatti yeah. with a girl who is just labeled as kissing woman on IMDb. And the picture of her is mostly of Paul Giamatti. <laughs> kissing her that's her photo on imdb yes wow but wow. there were not like coffee shops in birmingham alabama like that was no, not I a don't, thing. i don't remember coffee shops being a thing they like, were not in, yeah i don't remember them you just being go a thing park like, like, and do stuff like that yeah that scene when they roll into the coffee shop and everybody's like doing their thing and people are doing shifts and so not, I mean, maybe also that's like a university town thing mm-hmm. at, at, in 1992 or 91, but that was definitely not happening in my suburb. Right. But, you know, if you're near UW, you know, maybe it was. And in Seattle. But, uh, but yeah, it was just not a thing. Yeah. But that, I remember, you know, figuring out what's going to be your coffee shop, what's going to be your table, your booth. 
we're going to hang. Wow. And that now that's been, you know, a continuum for me across my academic career. <laughs> you know? oh, and now as a teacher, yeah, as a teacher, like what coffee shop am I going to go to? Where am I going to grade? What am I doing? You know, and it's not that I'm like a big caffeine addict or something. If I drink too much, you know, my eyelid twitches. It's not, it's not enjoyable. So, but I have my routine. Um, no, I came to this movie late. It's, it's, it's funny. Like, it seems like we're always saying the same thing. Like, you're like, I think I saw this in the theater. I'm like, I mm-hmm. saw this in college. <laughs> yes. yeah, well, that, not... That's the stage of life we were in at the time. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't <coughs> know. So, uh, let's see. Of Cameron Crowe's movies, mm-hmm. I would have... I would have seen say anything by this point, but I would have missed this one. Like I, I don't know. Is I it because it's about love? Well, it's and just, that didn't feel like it was you. I don't know. I went through a John Cusack phase, so it was probably you know, like I just this movie just wasn't on my radar. I do remember somebody saying that it was like, um, you know, in the mid nineties, people were comparing it to Friends, and I was like, oh, it's like Friends the movie. And so I was mm. like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. And it wasn't, it's not really like Friends. <laughs> no, I would say it is not. Well, and say anything is like high school love. And, yeah. and this is like adult love. Yeah. And, you know, John Cusack's just such a weirdo and say anything. Yeah. And everybody's pretty, pretty straightforward in this movie. I mean, even Matt Dillon's not odd. Like, it's so funny because you were talking about like, you know, this is a, kind of a sign of adulthood and i would say or young adulthood i would say mm-hmm. most of these characters like look like people that i would have known in my young adulthood mm-hmm. like there was certainly like a matt dylan type you know not yeah. necessarily like a burgeoning rock star but somebody who was just goofing off and like didn't seem to have any agenda for life you know yeah um Definitely knew a lot of those people. Didn't know many Bridget Fondas. Like there weren't like a lot of like crazy hot girls like waiting around for for like losers or something. The way that she does. Um, Saving but, up for architecture school. Yeah, I don't know. It's like she seems like a fantasy person in this movie. Mm. Um, but certainly, like you know not really knowing the people that you're I mean it's so funny because you think about it, young adulthood and I often think like oh man like in the moment that I was living it it seemed like it took forever to get through but it was really like three years out of your life you know it's just like it went by in a blur and so it's hard to remember a lot of those people but they tend to fall into like archetypes um, mm-hmm. the people that I remember from my young adulthood um, yeah, that's true. Well, and I think about these actors, you know, they're really, they were in their late 20s mm-hmm. when they were playing these characters. It's not like we're looking at people, you know, they're, they've gone through school. They're kind of on the other side of college if they went to college, which I think about as we're looking, you know, eventually at probably watching like reality bites. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point. And I think that for me, like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, reality bites. And I'm like, so my time, so me. And I'm like, well, I really responded more to this movie, even though I was more of an age difference to the people in this movie yeah. than I was to reality bites. 
And I wonder whether some of it is the Southern California of it all with the reality bites, the kind yeah. of poppiness of it, like this, the urbanness of this, the this felt more real. If a movie can feel more real in a way, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you're if you're thinking about this, watching this movie along with kind of the launch of uh, the real world. Right. And, you know, th- that sort of stuff all kind of coming together. Because I think thinking about this alongside the real world is interesting to me. Yes, absolutely. Eric Nice would fit right in with like the cast of singles. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. We do need a little more diversity. <laughs> we do. There is the occasional person of color that pops up in this, <laughs> right. but they are very ancillary. Yeah. Yeah. So um, well, uh, that's a good, but, that's a good, that's a little spicy. So what are your, what are your hot takes on the movie? What are your general thoughts to get us started? You know, to look at grunge again before it became a stereotype. Yeah, this is really early. This is really yeah. early. Like, you know, the description that I read mentioned Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam wasn't formed at this point. Like, no, they it was were still Mother like, Love Bone. Weren't they well, Mother yeah, Love Bone? Mother Love Bone had broken up because Andrew Wood had died by that point. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I think I think Pearl Jam was in the burgeoning stages, but they were still Mookie Blaylock at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah, watched yeah, Pearl yeah. Jam, you know. Doghouse should be like the six or seven. They want they want me to come out. But sounds right. I mean, they're just our friends. Doghouse as an encore, man. Jesus, we can't start off with that. What's the point of like making those people like clap so we come out? You don't get it, team. I totally agree with Cliff. Hey, check this out, man. Review our record. Whoa, snap! Read it out loud, man. Once again, when the shirtless Cliff Ponsier starts to sing. Wait a minute, man. I don't want to hear anything negative. Other than that, he was ably backed by Stone and Jeff and drummer Eddie Vedder. I mean, that's good. That's a, that's a good review. A compliment for us is a compliment for you. No, man. This negative energy just makes me stronger. We will not retreat. This band is unstoppable. This weekend, we rock Portland. Yeah, it's pretty wild to it's pretty wild to see. And then like Alice in Chains, mm-hmm. you know, which is Soundgarden. like a, yeah, they're an L.A. band, but they're kind of hanging out, you know, in this movie. And Nirvana famously turned this movie down. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to see like all these sort of burgeoning Seattle acts and like what what eventually they're going to do, which is like, you know, just blow the doors down. Like, I think. um yeah. Nevermind comes out like right after this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think that that part's, I mean, that scene sitting at the table where they're reading the review of the album mm-hmm. and it's Eddie Vedder and you know, I don't want to hear anything negative. You know, right. it says that David, you know, it's just so classic. Like, it's just, yeah. uh, I think they capture, and, and I think thinking about the age of the actors, then again, you know, it's like I, I have these guys given it the fair shot <laughs> or are you done is cliff really done what he needs to do here 
and and to also i mean i th- I think the movie is actually well written and well acted I think these are these are pretty the characters are fairly well rounded mm-hmm. in terms of i, I think I, I recognize myself in them again watching it again uh which i i I enjoyed that happening again for me the yeah. you know Bridget finding you know well, you know, was making the basket that I was supposed to call him or was I not supposed to call him? Like, I can remember that mindset in my 20s. You know, I can remember the kind of the games that you would play and to go back to a time when, you know, if you just miss seeing somebody on a night out, you miss seeing them. Yeah. You know, the, you know, I watched this movie with my 16 year old and to have, you know, the, the answering machine tape go down. Right. And that's it. Yeah. That, uh, that those sorts of elements as storytelling elements that were actually real parts of life. Yeah. That if you just didn't see somebody at a show, you didn't see them at a show. And and the night could take a completely different turn. Yeah. That I think about so many movies from this time from yeah, you know, that would not make any bit of sense if you threw a cell phone in there. <laughs> that's that's so funny because um yeah, that makes me think of two things. One is that usually when people talk about the answering machine gag, they mm-hmm. talk about swingers. And so it's so funny mm-hmm. to watch this movie and see that it it kind of got to the answering machine thing f- before like John Favreau did, right? Yes. Um, but then um or even just the like when do you call somebody back, you know, conversation, mm-hmm. which is like a big part yeah. of swingers too. But then the other part of that is that you remind me that like there um, I can't remember who pointed it out to me, but somebody pointed out to me that like a lot of sort of the big name directors in Hollywood right now. So like Scorsese, Tarantino, um, Spielberg, people like that. They're all like making period movies now, or mm-hmm. at least n- they're not making movies that are set in the present day. Um, and the reason for that. Um, it's been speculated is because cell phones take out all of the drama that mm-hmm. can happen in a story, right? It's like, yeah, oh, well, like I didn't connect with this person, so I'm just going to text them and we'll meet up at this place. And it's like, you know, it just it ta- it it like deflates so much potential drama that you can put mm-hmm. into a story to have a cell phone. So you have to figure out how to justify like a cell phone, not working, you know, or someone forgetting their cell phone or something like that mm-hmm. in order to have like, you know, a narrative. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun to sort of see a modern day film that doesn't have to worry about like, well, why don't these people just text each other? You know, it's like, yeah. because they don't have the option. That kind of I also feel like, and we don't normally bring up the Bible in this podcast stream, but for me, and I don't know whether, you know, some of these movies when we watch them because they have been so elemental and they hit you and I at an age that is particular. And we're not saying that these movies should be in the Criterion collection, right? Like, mm-hmm. but the way we talk about the Bible as a reflection of the universals of human behavior. Mm-hmm. There's something about this film that even though it has these antiquated elements to it, the way it talks about human relationships, it hits the universals yeah. of our insecurities, of 
you know, when she ends up back with James LaGrosse and his ponytail, like, oh, oh my God, you know, <laughs> this is like being with someone, but being alone at the same time. I was like, yes, there are those yeah. relationships where it's like, you know, this is safe. This is comfortable. Yeah. I'm not really risking anything. Like they, they do such a nice job with the archetypes that they're playing with inside the film. Mm-hmm. That that they're able to pretty easily move between things. They have and they have their smaller B B level characters and their their larger characters. But I think that that they do just a really nice job, yeah, hitting all of those different folks. And I appreciate that a lot. I mean, you talk about like Fonda being a fantasy. There is something about that character that was really, I don't know, really appealing mm-hmm. to me. And I, you know, and it's, you know, and I can, I can rag a little bit on Bridget Funda's acting abilities here or there. Just, you know, go check out the movie, a little boot up, but anyway, you yeah. know, but it's like, but that there were her, her hangups, but that interaction with Bill Pullman, you know, her just yeah. the different ways that she's able, when she shows up, in Campbell Scott's apartment and it is just, he's laying in the middle of his floor <laughs> with a, is it John Coltrane on yeah. night train? Is it a night train that's playing? Uh, I, I don't want to say it is because he's, you know, sad about his train and, uh, and you know, that she, she does such a nice job mm-hmm. and, you know, in some other universe, aren't we a, a scorching couple? You know, like, you know, it's just a very incredibly sweet person. I think that's part of yes. the aspect. And I think that's the thing. And that that the the redemption that that allows for right. uh, Dylan's character. Right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, what this movie gets at, which I think is really uh, which I think is really true, is this sort of desperate desperation that comes with like young Mm -hmm. adulthood to like hurry up and establish something Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. i only have i think bridget fonda even says it where it's like i only have like a little while to be you know Mm -hmm. to to sort of act like i don't care about life you know or right you know or to, to sort of mess around like because if I start doing it after 25 or whatever, it's going to seem mm-hmm. sad, you know? <laughs> so right. it's like, so right. it's this desperation to like hurry up. And so any setback along that way, like feels like, you know, abject loneliness or man, mm-hmm. I've, I've totally screwed up the rest of my life because I messed up this relationship or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, and those narratives that we create so that we feel like we have some kind of control. Yeah. And when uh, every time, you know, it just feels very DC whenever I follow, you know, Instagram, like overheard DC and people struggling with dating in DC and all those sorts of things where it's like, whenever it's like, I'm just going to focus on work. Right. I'm just going to focus on work. Hey, this is where I'm going to devote myself right now. And then, you know, right. I'm just not going to get distracted by life or relationships or whatever. I'm just going to focus. Okay. I have a few hot takes about this movie. Yeah, go. Okay, number one, there is so much denim in this movie. <laughs> so, so much denim. Much denim. It's like mm-hmm. the jeans are just 
wild to me. Baggy. Baggy. We have seen some really crazy fits this year in Mm. going on 30 from the Harlem scenes, you know, in Malcolm Mm -hmm. X to like, Mm -hmm. um, to the box suits of the player Mm -hmm. to the sort of suave, you know, suits of Reservoir Dogs. And now like this grungy gene thing. It is just, it is. It's all over. It is just such a fashion palooza. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is. You're right. So fun fact. And I had mentioned Friends before because it was described to me as like a movie version of Friends, which isn't true. But the producers of Friends originally wanted to make a TV show called Single. Like make basically the show that they made that's called Friends. They wanted Mm -hmm. that to be singles. They wanted to sort of work off of the singles IP. And they were turned down by the studio. They were told no, that you have to like come up with your own thing yeah Mm. but um but it's funny to think that like friends could have been like singles the tv show because that was kind of the original idea for it yeah it's it's weird to think about right it's weird to think about these characters in the friends world you know like who would bridget fonda be rachel i guess i don't know it's just i don't i don't like her i don't like her matt dylan be Joey? I'm Joey. I'm making a face. I'm making a face. I don't like it. <laughs> no. All right. Actually, Kara Cedric would be Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. No. That would be right. Yes. Probably. Um. And then, lastly, big hot take. Okay. We got to we got to talk about the apartments in this movie. Yes. Here's the problem with movies. Here's yes. the problem with movies establishing your idea of what adulthood is going to be. How much do you think those apartments cost to rent? See, now I don't know what if Seattle was like hot or not hot or what neighborhood they were in at this time. I mean, they were pretty close in to a downtown. So that establishing setting. shot. So the closing shot puts them like almost in downtown. Like they're like right there. Kind of in the heart of everything. So what's what's what is what's nineteen ninety two real estate look like in? See, that's what I'm saying. But these apartments are huge. <laughs> they are huge, and they're singles. They're single apartments. Like they have got to. Be. Well, no, Debbie was with Pam. Was Debbie she? had a roommate. Yeah. She and oh Pam yeah, yeah, Pam yeah, 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 yeah. Making popcorn. She had a roommate. Yeah, because uh, because what's his face? The guy with the beard. Peter was- Horton was in there making popcorn <laughs> with Pam and Kermit. That's right. Separate lives, Pam. We agreed. <laughs> Separate lives. Oh man, video dating. Wow. Yeah, there's I mean, a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this movie. Yeah, I paused at that point and said before there was online dating. That's right. There's Could you imagine having to submit a videotape for yourself? Which is incredible. All right, all right, you guys. These are the men who want me. But I'm more than just a good body. Feelings, man. I have a lot of tender feelings. But you're just waiting for the right woman. It's hard to to get it across when you look like this, obviously. My name is Spiro, I'm an artist. As you can see, my painting is is displayed behind me. Um, I'm the kind of person that's really meticulous in appearance and also very precise. In fact, if two people really believe in each other, that love can go all the way around the world and through each other's soul. 
But love is a very delicate thing. In fact, if you're both not very, very careful in nurturing, that love can... I'm looking for a woman who is unpredictable, someone who is complex, someone who is willing to experiment. I like the way the world looks from a bicycle. And I guess I'm just looking for someone who feels the same way I do about a bicycle. Am I coming off too intense? Because I can be intensely laid back, too. I am very, very, very lonely. Definitely the bicycle guy. The bicycle guy? He's like your soulmate. Guy with the bicycle. But no, these apartments look like they cost a million dollars. <laughs> like a month. I mean, my last apartment, I did have four roommates. Or three roommates. So, okay. It's just wild. It, it just got me thinking. Betsy. Oh, no. What do you think the top five movie apartments are in the history of movies i wrote a list of what i think okay i'm excited to see what your real estate choices are all right yeah okay all right honorable mention honorable mention is monica geller's apartment and friends impossible an impossible apartment is this movies and tv shows no 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 but the honorable mention is just because it's not it's not a movie um, okay. okay. No, okay. the rest of them are from movies, but uh, it's an okay. Im- that is an impossible apartment to have in New York City. Okay. All right. Number five. Number five. This one's a little dark, but uh, but I really love Patrick Bateman's apartment in American Psycho. That is a little dark. That's a little. Dark. <laughs> it's very clean, and a lot, uh, of, a lot of pull-ups. Twenty-four hour Huey Lewis on the on the soundtrack. You do. All right. Number four. Uh, number four, uh, we're going to go animated. We're going to go across the pond. It's Roger Radcliffe's apartment in 101 Dalmatians. That oh. cute little London apartment that they have. Yeah, with like the windows, like mm-hmm. on the, the roof line. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Big that's cute. piano that you get to, you know, pop out some show tunes on in the living room. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's cute. All right. Uh, number three. Number three is Holly Golightly's apartment in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. Get to hang out on the fire escape. George Papard gets to hear you singing. Okay. Then just maybe a little less racist portrayal of a neighbor. Oh, you know, well, okay. So Mickey Rooney. Yeah. We'll just cut that part out. We'll just cut Cut that that part part out. Okay, great. Got it. (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, Number two. Uh, number two is one that, well, we should be familiar with, but we didn't do this movie. Ricardo and Liz did it. It's Sam and Molly's apartment from Ghost. Oh, yeah. Which is like a two-story apartment. Like, where it's like a studio in it. It is pretty big. It's like a crazy apartment. It's so big. It's amazing. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right, number one. Number one, movie apartment. This is so obvious. Like, you can probably guess it. It's Josh Baskin's apartment in Big. Oh, yeah. That's pretty yeah. Cool. It's so big, and it's full of basketball hoops and arcade. Loft style. Oh, my gosh. Lo- it's, it's, it's so much apartment. fun. Yeah. Pretty nice. Yeah. It's pretty nice. All right. Uh, we have arrived at the best scene segment. What is your best scene from singles? Oh, it's so hard. 
You go first. I have one that's really easy, and I would love, love, love to play the soundbite of this on the show, but there's no way that I can. It's the Xavier McDaniel scene. <laughs> Campbell Scott. <laughs> it's when Campbell Scott's having sex, when he and Kara Cedric are having sex, and he has to visualize Xavier McDaniel giving a yes, 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 <laughs> yes. That's pretty good. That's pretty it good. It's so funny. It's so every time good. that scene goes on and it goes that closing line. Yeah, I just, I, I just laugh every time. I can't stop laughing. It's so hilarious. When I asked Ruby what the best scene was. Mm-hmm. She said it was when they all get together to watch uh, Debbie's responses to her video date. And there's the guy who's like, I'm very, very, very lonely. And that was her. <laughs> all those guys are really good. Her video was yeah. really funny. It was very funny. It was very funny. It's very funny. But yeah, no, it's, yeah. But I mentioned like the scene at the table with the band. There's the scene where you walk into the coffee shop for the first time. Like there's mm-hmm. just some scenes that give me the feels. Well, and, and know. just hanging out with, you know, Eddie Vedder and Stone Gossard and Mike McCready too. is pretty fun. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is kind of what it would be like to hang out with Pearl Jam. Like this is as close as you're going to get as like a regular person hanging out with Pearl Jam. That's pretty fun, you know? And, um, Oh, there was one thing that I forgot to mention, which is, uh, one of the things that I kind of had to suspend disbelief on, although I know that this happened because I participated in this is people going to clubs and listening to just like, you know, I mean, listen, I like grunge music. I'm a big fan, but like, you're not really dancing to it. You know, it's, it's not really like, it's not really club music. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just hilarious watching these people go out to the club and just sit there listening to like, you know, Rooster by like Allison Chains or something. You know, it's like, what are, what are you even going to do to this song? You know, like you're not going to dance to it. You're just going to sway to it, I guess. Yeah, you just kind of are like, mm, 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 mm. yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. It's just like 90s music. I mean, granted, there were like some bangers in there that, like, you know, you could get a mosh pit going and just really like tear it up. But when they hit the slow stuff, you know, it's just. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird club vibe to look back on. Um, but the, like those meet cutes, you know, of like Campbell Scott and Kara Sedgwick at the club. Mm-hmm. Those, those are fun scenes. I like that. Yeah. I think your act is you have no act. <laughs> like it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. So. No, I love those. Yeah. And that, that, that ending scene where Cliff is like narrating yeah, how Debbie finally meets her match, and that he's having to deliver all these flowers, and I gotta go in there tomorrow and spell her name in rose petals. You know, <laughs> like like it's just great. It's just great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who is your best performance in the movie? I May mean, have given some love to Bridget already. I feel like I'm gonna give some love to Sheila Kelly. Oh, okay. Who plays, who plays Debbie Hunt? Like she is boy's character in a way that is 
awesome. Like, this is, call me. Like, you know, just, oh, just, and she's so kind of this go-getter who you wouldn't stereotypically put in Seattle in this kind of way, which I think is interesting. Yeah. She's a pusher. Like, she goes, right? She's she's this person who achieves and she wants, you know, she expects the best. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's tried everything she knows and now she's kind of pushing into a new area and and her friends, even though she feels like she's a lot, her friends really love her and they mm-hmm. support her and they want they want something good for her. And there's something about her character that I really, when she is going around on that bike, right. you know, why'd you choose this fisherman's whatever? And she's like, oh, no, you know. I just like how the world looks from a bike and she's just going. It's hilarious. Yeah. She's also like, she's also one of the peripheral friends. You know, there's like the four main ones, right? Matt Dillon uh and Bridget Fonda and Camel Scott and Carrie Cedric. But then like Jim True Mm -hmm. and Debbie, they're the ones that are kind of like on the outside, but they have, they're such like fun characters that they add Mm -hmm. like this really sort of quirky thing to the mix. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and looking at her IMDb bio, evidently she had to learn how to do pole dancing for a role. Oh, wow. And she really got into the, because there's a whole, you know, move of physical fitness around the physical strength to do that. Mm -hmm. And there's, she did a whole Netflix thing in 2021 on on that. So anyway, yeah. Go Sheila. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Bridget Fonda on this one. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah. you know, of like Bridget Fonda is just kind of, this is, this is really her moment. This sort of early, mm-hmm. early to mid nineties is like the Bridget Fonda sants. And um, I don't know. She's great. I mean, she really is like the, I don't know, like the really, she's like the caring spirit of this movie, you know, like mm-hmm. I think Kira Sedgwick, you know, it's clearly a character that we identify with. I mean, she's the first story that we follow and all of that stuff. But I don't know. Bridget Fonda just kind of ties the whole room together, you know. And you can tell that, like, when they need somebody to come in for, like, you know, the big, like, Scott on the floor scene, you know. Uh-huh. That's the actor that they get. Or Steve on the floor scene. That's uh-huh, the actor uh-huh. that they get for that, yeah. Well, and she hasn't acted since... 2002. I mean, this really was, if you look at like Simple Plan was 98, Jackie Brown, 97, Army of Darkness, Single, Single White Female. I mean, this was a big Doc Hollywood. Yeah, it's the single, single white female, like one, yeah. two, three, which I think was like the big deal. Yeah. Because we can all forget about Godfather Part 3. A lot of, of good stuff yeah. that she did. Singles yeah, but... and single white female. Boom. Yeah. That's like a that's like a um pretty woman sleeping with the enemy kind of year, you know. Yeah. That's a big year. Uh I got some stats about the movie. <gasps> stats, 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 stats. Uh singles opened on September eighteenth, nineteen ninety-two. September eighteenth? I mean not a summer movie. Back to uh, school, kids. Yeah. Back to you, Dub, everybody. We're on the trimester system. I don't even know. I don't <laughs> even know. 
Yeah. They're back. Hey. Oh no. September 18th. They just needed a just needed a spot to release this movie, I guess. Uh this day in 90210. We have arrived at season three, episode eight, entitled The Backstory. In this episode, Brenda's friends feel she has betrayed them when she is interviewed about Beverly Hills teen lifestyles for a tabloid television show. Brenda. I need need more information than that. Keep your mouth shut, Brenda. That's not enough. What does she say? I think I remember this episode where she talks about like... You know, oh, my friend Donna likes to go shopping all the time. You know, like she's oh, she stuff boils that, like, everybody down to like a stereotype. Yeah, she she whittles them down to a stereotype. And Kelly's people. mom does drugs. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Steve's mom is off God knows where. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he drives a fancy car. <laughs> right. <laughs> And Donna Martin's and da- failing all of her grades, and she's never going to. David go Silver's wearing a giant shirt that could make him a flying squirrel if he fell out of a tree. <laughs> we all say that David's talented when we really know that he is not talented. <laughs> all right, we um, should make up our own. We should make up our own summary sometimes to see if people can spot the fake. Yeah, spot the fake. <laughs> We're going to uh, give you three episode summaries. Which right. one is real? It's going to be like an NPR. Wait, wait, That's don't right. tell me. That's right. Um, singles had a domestic gross of $18 million. So, not oh, oh, dear. <laughs> not great. Yeah, but but Blockbuster. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, not great. Uh, making it the number 67 grossing movie of 1992. Oof. It is the that? number. Can we do that one? Yeah, it is the number 3,946 top grossing movie of all time between. So this is interesting. So it comes between Super Troopers. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. I was not expecting Super Troopers to show up here. And Casualties of War is what's on the other side of it. That sounds familiar. What's that one? Is that some Vietnam thing? 1989. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's the Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't write it down, because I knew I would remember it. A soldier finds himself the outsider of his own squad when they unnecessarily kidnap a female villager. Yeah, it was the De Palma Vietnam War show uh, movie. War show. (laughs) War show. Um, you know, all mm. the great directors were making Vietnam War movies. This was the De Palma one. Oh, John C. Riley, John Like yeah. Ving Rames. Oh, Ving Rames. Wow, that would have been really early Ving Rames, because that would have been Ooh, 80, Wendell, Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce. Really? Wow. Wow. So, okay. Mary Kill, you get singles, you get super troopers, you get casualties of war. Okay, so I am going to marry singles. No. I'm going to flirt with super troopers, and I'm going to kill casualties. Uh, are you going to flirt with super troopers, meow? Meow. Um, yeah, yeah. Meow. 
flirt with no. super troopers, meow. Meow, meow. <laughs> flirt, flirt, meow, meow. Flirt, flirt, meow, meow. Yes. Uh, meow, I'm going to flirt with singles, meow. And meow, I'm going to marry super troopers. Cause I oh, love that there movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so funny now, like, now that Brian Cox has the succession, you know, and like the whole Logan Mm -hmm. Roy, like, character in his bag, like, going Mm -hmm. back and watching old Brian Cox stuff. Yes. And, like, seeing the Logan Roy and, like, Mm -hmm. Super Troopers and stuff like that. It's just hilarious. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, And then I'll Kill Casualties of War, even though it's, uh, you know, it's probably a good movie. It's it's too bad. These all look like good movies. I know. I I don't want to kill any of them, but... um, I I mean, to dig this deep on the list, I... Yeah. Usually we're trying to get rid of all of them at this point. I know. I'm shocked. Yeah, that's a pretty good triple feature. I, I recommend like this weekend watch singles, super troopers, and casualties of war. If you get a chance. Agreed. Agreed. Um, singles has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Sounds about hmm. right. Uh Roger Ebert, what do you think? I don't know whether Roger's gonna get it. I mean, he's probably a Cameron Crowe fan though, right? Yes. He likes him as a creator. What's he saying? Okay, Roger Ebert says, The movie will challenge some audiences simply because it is not a one, two, three progression of character and plot. But then he gives it a three out of four. So is he saying it doesn't challenge him because he's Raj? Right. He's saying, I'm really smart. So I I got it. But like, (laughs) you normies, you're probably going to struggle with this. You're going to struggle with this one. (laughs) But I'm good over here. (laughs) <laughs> but i guess so you know <laughs> FYI. uh janet maslin wrote she didn't write a review but she she wrote up you know an article about this movie right okay she says uh mr crow mr crow i love that mr crow i mean that's that's this new york times right yeah there you go yeah uh, Mr. Crow has an exceptional ability to enjoy such characters without a trace of condescension okay okay sure okay he doesn't that, hate his character is that good yeah that's great okay <laughs> i guess i mean is that a minimum is that a minimum that we can hope for from a movie <laughs> men's he has an exceptional ability to enjoy such characters without a trace of condescension okay, okay. all right thanks janet for being thanks, here janet. We're gonna put you back God, in the box. God, we'll bring you God out. Bless. God bless. Uh, God how bless. did singles do at the Oscars? Well, that's it. No wins. And no wins. No, no nominations at the Oscars. However, it had one MTV Movie Award nomination. Betsy, oh. what award was this nominated for at the MTV Movie Awards? Best soundtrack? Okay, that's close enough. It was, okay, okay, was it? It was nominated for Best Song, which was uh, the song Wood by Alice in Chains. Okay, there we go, okay.
fun fact about wood, that was a um, uh, fun fact. Yeah, it was. You, uh, you, you suddenly sound like a you sound like a college radio yeah. DJ. Are you this is U Dub Radio? There we go. What you got? Um, wood was written for Andrew Wood, who is the lead singer of uh, Mother Love Bone, mm-hmm. and uh, had passed away like right before this movie came out. Mm. And so, um, and so, Allison Chains wrote that as a tribute song. Mm. Uh, song Wood was dedicated to their mm. friend. So. Uh, Andrew Wood has he has so much influence on everything that we know of as grunge culture. So weird to think about. Like, could you imagine in, you know, like you're just living your life. You're a normal kid. You're fronting a rock band. You, you know, die of an overdose. But it turns out that like you, your legacy like leads to like a revolution in music because like everybody Mm -hmm. says that you were the best. Like Kurt Cobain says you're the best. Eddie Vedder Mm -hmm. says you're the best. Lane Staley mm-hmm. says you're the best. Mm-hmm. Like everybody says that you're the best, but you're you're not alive to know yeah. like changed. It's wild to think about. That's wild. That yeah. is wild. I'm 23. Remember how old 23 seemed when you were little? I mean, I thought people were gonna be traveling in airlocks and I would have five kids. Here I am. 23. Things are um they're basically the same. I think um Time's running out to do something bizarre. Somewhere around 25, bizarre becomes immature. What's the lasting legacy of this movie? I wrote the young adult movie. You know, we haven't really, I mean, we talked about coming of age movies, which is really high school and stuff like that. But the young adult movie, I wrote down a few of these. I wrote down Slacker. Slacker is a young adult movie. Richard Linklater, Mm -hmm. right? Clerks, Mm -hmm. I would say, is a young adult movie. I don't know. Boys in the Hood was a little bit like this when we talked about it last year, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, young people trying to figure out like what they're doing in life. There's a lot. I would say like early 90s, there's a lot of these movies that are kind of floating around out there. Yeah. It's like I think too, who are we no, and how are how, right. how are we figuring this out? Yeah. Cuz it's like is this is this a Gen X movie? Yeah, I would say this is a Big idea. Or is this or is this a Generation Jones movie a little bit too, right? The time this comes out. Yeah, so Generation Jones is the bridge generation between the boomers and Generation X. So it's like your Obama, your Michelle and Barack Obama age people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like organizing in Chicago as young people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know whether they were doing that in the 80s versus the 90s. I mean, they would have been like on the older side of Generation X. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But I relate to them more. And I don't know whether it's also 90s clothes just make people look older. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Uh, you know, because we just, you know, it's just how we were close. So, but I think it's, uh, I think it is this. I think it's still a coming of age movie, but I think it's also the extension of that age. If we're talking about looking at the extension of adulthood Mm -hmm. and we're talking about the science is expanding at this point to say that, you know, men's brains are not fully developed until they're 28 and 29 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that research is coming down the pike and you've got these people who are still trying to figure it out. 
we're not getting married at 22 years old anymore. Right. Like this movie is kind of showing that extension of that time. And I don't know whether there are other movies that have done that in that sort of way. So now coming of age does, isn't just your high school prep school anymore. It's now extending 10 years beyond that right. into your 20s. And it's okay that you don't have that shit figured out. But the rest of your parents, though, think you should. And we're not yeah. at the point where the rest of the world has caught up to that narrative. I feel like yeah. there are, yeah, I think that you nailed something about this, which is like, there's something about um, like threshold moments in time where like a generation is clearly starting to define itself and they have a defining movie that comes out that explains who they are. Mm -hmm. um, I think for boomers, like that's like the graduate is very much that, right? It's like, Okay, so this is what it's like to be spit out of college. And now, like, how am I going to figure out, like, what my life is? I think, you know, movies like Singles, like, in the early 90s, sort of seem to fall into this mode. And then, like, when it comes to, like, Millennials and Gen Z, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's possible that, like, you could say something like... um you know, the anxiety that comes with like um, something like the social network or something, you know, is like a uh -huh. definer for a generation. Uh -huh. um, yeah, because it's also looking at this movie. It's not that this in this movie that people don't have their act together. Right. You yeah. know, you know, Cliff is still he's got gigs and he's doing things. You know, Richard Fonda's character still has a job and she's saving and she, at the end she's paying up for classes. Like everybody's got their stuff going on. They just yeah. don't have their relationship life together. They don't have their they would like to have their love life together. So it's like it's it's like it's not like they're all sitting around slacking. Right. You know? Yeah, no, but I mean so, you've got to figure it out. Like an, another yeah. movie that comes to mind, and maybe it's like a millennial definer, is like five hundred days of summer, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like well, Jesus, I've got to figure this out. Like, if I'm not going to be with this person, then who am I? You know, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I have two questions about this kind of movie that we're trying to, like, define. Mm -hmm. One is, do you think these movies have a shelf life? Like, I know watching this movie, like, it's nostalgic and it's kind of, you know, fun to watch. But also at the same time, you just kind of want to yell at the screen, like, okay, you guys need to grow the f up like um, you, like you you guys are like spinning your wheels here in seattle uh, you know like at some point as a grown-up you look at these you look at movies like this and i can see how they can feel more frustrating than you know idealistic like at some point you're finished and it's not death you know at some point and it's in, it's like 29 and you, yeah, yeah, I got it all figured out. Like at some point I'm 32 and I've got it figured like, like that, that's an idea that I think is in this movie. Yeah. And that's not true. The right. idea is you're always becoming. Yeah. You're, and so I think that as a concept, yeah, I want to yell that at them. There's something quaint about the crises of a young adult. You know, yes. it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, dude, 
you want to know what a crisis is, like live another 30 years, you know, like that's right. the kind of thing. Yeah, I guess but that's, there's also that's I mean at the same time life. an urgency to what how a young adult lives. Mm-hmm. Let's go. We got to go. Let's go. Where is right. everybody? Let's right. go. Yeah. And I think I think because at least at our age, we don't have that same urgency anymore. Then we can experience stasis, which is right. not helpful. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the beauty of young adulthood is that anything can happen on any given night. Yeah. You know? And um, and that's something that you come to appreciate when you're older and like nothing. Absolutely. <laughs> right. One hundred. One hundred. And then finally, my second question about this is, what do you think that what do you think a hangout movie is going to look like for Gen Z when they start making movies? Question. Like it's just gonna be people sitting around texting each other. Like, what is it? <laughs> What's it gonna be? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it looks question. like Barbie. Maybe it's like we can hang out, <laughs> but it's, it's got to have an IP attached to it. Young adult movies—they just don't make them quite like singles anymore. They just don't. Yeah. They just don't. Who do you think this movie is for? You know, Crow Hughes. You know, these movies they were making. We were still so regional. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't know what the rest of the country was like. Right. You know, what's Chicago like? Right. Suburban Chicago high schools. What are they like? Yeah. You know, who knows? Seattle. Gosh, it's That's always Seattle, raining. Seattle like, right? Like it's, I think it's, you know, it's for, it touches the universalness of of the urban dating experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it's for people who aspired to be that, which was who me, which was me, right? It's for people who were younger. Yeah. Who weren't even in that <laughs> for a yeah, 17 year old in Alabama, mm-hmm. as well as people who, you know, live in New York or Chicago or wherever, you yeah. know? Yeah. No, I think that's totally right. I think this movie is for 90s teenagers. Like, I think it's like, mm-hmm. it's for like the next generation. Yeah. Of, you know, the like the younger Gen Xers to like, oh, hey, check out what your older peers are doing. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. What would you rate this movie out of five? I'm going to give it a four. Above or below A Few Good Men? Above. Oh, Wow. Oh, poor Tom. Getting Can't knocked- play baseball. Oh, no, poor Kevin Bacon getting knocked out by his wife. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. Too bad. So in the battle of Kira Sedgwick versus Ke- Kevin Bacon. This round goes to Kira. Wow. What about you? Uh, I give it a 3.5. I said in my write-up, Cameron Crowe is capable of much better than this movie. I think he'll eventually show that. Like, I think Almost Famous and Jerry Maguire are better than this movie. Um, but this you, movie has... You're, you're a Tom Cruise bias is showing. <laughs> Your adult movie collection is showing. I mean, I think Almost Famous is genius. Like, Almost Famous is really good. It is um, really good. But... Um, <clears throat> So I think Cameron Crowe is capable of making a better movie, but this movie is really good and it has like a ton of heart. And what I appreciate about it is that it's devoid of irony. Like it's not like Mm -hmm. people have a ton of heart, but they're cynical as hell. Like, yeah, 
Like everybody is like what you see is what you get with this movie, which I think is really good. Yeah, like when when they when he installs the speaker in her car, yeah, and people just stop, and then the windows start to blow, and she doesn't give him any sort of look or anything. Right. It's just like, well, that happened. He's like, oh, well, place the windows. <laughs> there you go. I installed you new stereo. Oh, great. I'll replace the windows. Thanks. And she's like, thanks. You know. <laughs> Just thanks. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, what a great movie. I'm glad you I nominated know. this. Why did you Thank nominate? You. It was a movie I wanted to watch again. Mm-hmm. And it, it opened up my world. Yeah. When I when I watched it. Oh, well, oh, do you want do you want to know what Emily? Oh, was yes. That, that's my next question. What is Emily that your next question? Mm-hmm. Okay, so she says Bridget Fonda seems so cool to me, and it was like the cutting edge of cool. She <laughs> said, "Amazing soundtrack," which is true. Yeah, doesn't it involve a garage door or a beeper or something. <laughs> yes, I can't believe people give away garage door beepers. Dude, Can the garage door that? thing was blowing my mind. Like <laughs> you're giving people about? access to your home. Like I mean. Home? Yeah, like I mean, don't you have a door from your garage to your house? Like, do you have how to? How many? How many garage doors? I mean, two. Do you, people tend to have two? I mean, right? I, that just that is wild to me. Like, I mean, and but you only have what? one parking so like place. park your car. There's only space for one car. One car, right? yeah. So like you park on the street and then you'd use that. So you're not giving them your key, but you're giving them the, your garage door opener. So weird. That is so weird. What do you think Billy Crystal said about this movie in his Oscars monologue? Billy Crystal had no idea this movie existed. So he nope. said nothing about this movie. He came out in a flannel and ripped jeans during part imagine? of the opening with a backwards baseball cap and a soul patch. <laughs> um, okay, that is it. Singles That's in it. the books. That's it. Next up. Ooh, next up. It's a Greg pick. Oh, I'm excited. It's the second Greg pick of the year. Oh. We are going to be we're going to be going far away from the world of young adults this time. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about old adults. We're going to be watching the movie Sneakers. Sneakers. But Greg, oh, yeah. it's a group of people getting together to get something done, which is one of my favorite genres of films. Not only is it a get it done film, it's a heist film. Yes. It has Robert Redford, Ben Kingsley, yes. has River Phoenix, it has Sydney Poitier. This will be our first Sydney Poitier movie on the pod. Um, super excited for Sneakers. It's just like a fun movie, which is why I nominated it. So super excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. All right, Betsy, thank you for hanging out in the coffee shop with me oh i can just smell the beans when they pour those beans and that that you could just see the coffee the oil 
Uh, is it oil on them? I don't know what it is, but they just glisten. Something like that. I'm going to have to leave, though, because Paul Giamatti's starting to creep me out over here. So, um, so I'm gonna... That was in a restaurant, so that's fine. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. See you next time. Bye.